Have you intentionally mapped out your family culture you want to create in your home? Today, we are excited to welcome back Jody Chafee as she describes the six components of a successful family. Have you ever wondered why life just doesn't always work out as you'd like? Join me as we learn the skills to stop reacting to what occurs or doesn't each day and dig deep to find our vision. Discovering those things that will truly bring us happiness in life, relationships, and business. Guiding you on a journey to paint what you envision and then create it. We only have today, this very moment, and each one is a present waiting for you to not only see it, embrace it. Welcome, I'm Tony Go, and this is Embracing Vision. Welcome back, Jody Shafee. We are so happy to have you back here again. I'm and happy to be here, Tony. <laughs> thank you so much. And for those who are tuning in for the first time, this is Jody Shafee, and she is a seasoned podcaster, homeschool mom, and a family culture expert. She has hosted Our Modern Heritage, the Home and Family Culture podcast, for three years and recently released her 100th episode. During this time, she has interviewed dozens of experts from Paralympic athletes to entrepreneurs to authors and lecturers. For more than three years, Jody studied business culture and looked for ways to apply it to families. This resulted in a powerful framework for hacking successful cultures and applying it to families who want to live intentionally and question the status quo. She has been featured on several podcasts, presented at homeschool conferences, and is a published author in a digital magazine. So thank you so much for joining us, Jody. I'm so glad we get to have you back again. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, I know last time we were talking, you were talking about your vision and a little bit of your story. Maybe you can briefly recap for us and then um, let us know why culture and education, um, what we can do to support that creativity and innovation in our homes. Ooh, okay. Um, so I was telling you in the last episode how, you know, my husband, Michael, and I, um, we felt like we were on the wrong path because we were trying to uphold the status quo and appear like we were successful and we just weren't. So we just felt like we needed to purge that from our lives and start over. And so um, my husband quit his job and we moved in with my parents and we are on a family culture journey to um, actually, you know, to have self-actualization and become our fullest and best version of ourselves. And um, so uh, how does education, so can you rephrase that last part of the question? I just, I want to answer sure. it because it's really interesting. Sure. Yeah. I was just wondering um, with what would you recommend that people do in the home that would support creativity and innovation? Okay. That's a really good question. Um, so I like to talk about something that's called, um, it's called mastery education, where it's basically, you know, it's, okay, let me see if I can explain it by like compare and contrast a little bit, right? So sure. in public schools or generally in, in schooling our children, we want them to um, get a very broad and shallow understanding of like everything topic right like we want that we want them to know everything about history and science but just enough so they get a taste of it and and feel like they have an understanding and we call that education but by the time our kids grow up and they're like 
okay, I know all the stuff, but now I'm a jack of all trades and master of none. And I have no idea what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that is going to, um, you know, most of the time they're catering to grades. They just want to get the grades so that they can please their teachers and get into the college. And most of the time they get into college and it's like, well, I'm going to study art or I'm going to study, which is nothing wrong with that, but you know what I mean? Like there's, or I'm going to study, uh, you know, like, um, language arts or I'm going to study history or, you know, I don't know, something that's very liberal arts-ish. Yes. Or you change multiple times during that process. Yeah. yeah. My example. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with liberal arts as long as the kids have a vision of what, where that's going to lead them, you know, and, and like have a specific. So mastery education, it's basically you give them, you start to give children like an overview of topics. But then once they, they, something sticks out to them and they go, whoa, whoa, I didn't know that there are wolves in the Arctic. I want to learn about that. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, cool. And you kind of mentor them, like guide them towards more information about that thing. Or, you know, it's because, because this gets me excited is that when they get excited, they get excited about it, then they are their education is in their own hands and they are hungry for it. You know, it's, they start to get that interest on a surface level, but then they get excited and want to dive deeper and then dive deeper. And then that might spring off or spin off onto another topic that they find very interesting. And they, and so a mastery education is diving deep into a subject until it's like, you've mastered it. You know, like I know everything Uh, there is to know about not just Arctic wolves, but the Arctic and all of the things that happen there and all the studies that people have done there and, and how it is impacting our homeostasis in the earth or, you know, something like that. Yeah. You know, there's so much that can be learned off of that. But the, the reason why parents are reluctant to feed our children that type of an education is because it's kind of scary, right? If we're like, okay, how long are we going to dwell in the Arctic when they haven't even studied math in like three weeks? And, you know, <laughs> we're thinking, ah, oh, this is, you know, we want to start jumping in and pushing our agenda and going, okay, I'm getting anxious that my kid is not going to learn more of this stuff that I feel like they're supposed to learn in order to qualify for whatever it is. But the reality is, there's so much that kids are going to get from a deep mastery level education. Like if they start diving into the Arctic, for example, I don't know a lot about the Arctic, but they might learn there's, there's stuff that they might learn about that's math related and science related Mm -hmm. and, and history and anthropologically related. You know, it's like, there's so much that you can do for, I'll do another example that I know more about. (laughs) I just thought of Arctic wolves because my kids just watched something and they got really excited about it. Um, But like for, say cooking, for example, if your child gets really fired up about cooking and all they want to do is watch cooking shows and, and all they want to do is read cooking books. Well, that is in and of itself, they're going to learn math. They're going to learn science and chemistry. And they're going to start learning about like nutrition. They're going to start learning about meal preparation and planning and Mm -hmm. grocery shopping and budgeting. And, you know, it's something that if you allow them to go deep into that thing, then it takes trust 
that they are going to get out of that education what they need because they're excited about it. I mean, them diving deep into a subject that they're excited about, just the fact that they are, you know, they're hungry for that knowledge, for that education, you have won. Like, that, you know, there's yes. no more, there's no more <laughs> battle about like, are you going to do school today? Like, no, they, they are already, they've already gotten up and all the library books you picked out about cooking or about the Arctic or whatever it is that they're excited about. They're up in their beds reading that late into the night or early in the morning or, you know, whatever it is. And you go, awesome. That's education. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And they get to explore. It's funny that you mentioned that one. My daughter is a fifth grader and was really struggling with fractions. And so we did some cooking stuff and I told her she had to double or make half and she had to figure out what the recipes were before. And it really helped kind of cement some of the things she was struggling with. And it makes yeah. such a difference when it's something that they're interested in. Because before, when it was just sit on the computer and look at the screen again and see if you can figure it out, <laughs> no interest. Boring. Well, the reason why yeah. it's so boring is because it's not practical. Like the exactly. definition of academic is not practical. That's the definition. And so really? it's like, like, yes, go look it up. It's, it's the definition. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> is is book learning. It's, that's it. It's, it's um, two-dimensional. It's, you're just, you're not getting that tactile experience of getting, of doing the thing and learning in a, in a life application setting. So when you, that's, that's where it ends. If you just have book learning, then, uh, okay, now what, what do I do about this? Showing a picture of yes. a, of, of an, of a apple to a child and they go, and you're like, this is an apple. They're like, okay. But then you hand them an apple and you're like, take a bite. Oh my goodness. It's so juicy and sweet and beautiful. You know, like there's, there's something internalized by that mm -hmm. touching and experiencing that thing. And, and so that's why book learning and trying to force our kids, no, you're going to use these things someday. It's like, okay, but I don't need them now. <laughs> so <laughs> what's the point? Um, and so that's where a lot of the struggle happens is, is, you know, there's not a lot of motivation if it's just to get a grade or if it's just to, to check it off a list because it's not applicable and it's not passion and excitement and personal. So that's, that's why I think that, and, and, and it's not about like, so you talked about like, you asked about innovation too, as part of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Innovation happens when you need to solve a problem, like a real problem. Yeah. And most of the time, just getting surface level academic education, the problems that you try to solve are all theoretical and there's nothing that's going to get you excited about it. Innovation comes when it's like, this is a real legitimate problem and I need to solve it. And so you go through this process of trial and error after trial and error to figure out what is the solution. And in, in the end, you have something new that never existed before. That's innovation. That's and innovation. And I feel like that's, yeah, that's giving your children confidence to go out and solve exactly. problems in the world. And even the ability to like listen to themselves and what they're in, you know, what they feel on the inside is going to be their own vision to help create people who are going to be successful. Exactly. So, so they take that ownership on. It's the same thing with you know, mastery and, and innovation, all those things. It's, it's all about like 
this is part of who I am. This is something that feeds my soul and something that I feel like I'm creating the solution. It's fulfilling. And when you innovate to, when you're solving problems and you do go through that trial and error process, that also is what's going to give kids confidence. Like I solved that problem. I, I created this thing. I overcame this really <laughs> difficult challenge that I thought I'm never going to, I can't figure this out. And, and then they do. I, I mean, so many times I think we want to like shelter our kids from having like difficult problems, but they don't, they're not going to be resilient. They're not going to be able to have that self-confidence to face problems and struggles mm -hmm. if they don't encounter their own problems to, and then overcome them, you know, don't. I love how you say that. That's so true. I feel that very strongly with my own children. So another question for you, what would you I love your ideas that you gave to us. So share more with us. What do you feel makes a successful family culture? Okay. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. So um, let's see. Most of it comes back to knowing, it starts with knowing who you are as a family and, you know, how and why you are the way that you are. A lot of it stems back to your, your parent, like the parent's parents upbringing you know and background and things like that and and being able to come together as as parents to um merge those identities or to come together and agree on what your unique identity will be i like to compare the whole process as like a, a road trip and so you know if your whole family is going to jump into a vehicle and let's say for example, you have a really big family, but your vehicle is a sports car. Um, you got to figure out like, wait a second, <laughs> this, isn't, <laughs> this doesn't fit our family. But if you're like you or your husband's ideals are like, I just want to play sports, watch sports or, you know, whatever, you know, that's just an example. Um, and the whole rest of the family is like, hello, we can't fit inside of that vehicle, you know, so let's figure out what will fit and what will work to fit our family, right? And so it starts with understanding what that vehicle is. And so mm -hmm. that's your identity, that's your, your personal and family history and like the things that make your family unique. You know, when you, when you tell your stories of your children, like when they were born and what you, how you got, came up with their name and, and things like that, they start to identify with you as like, oh, I'm part mm -hmm. of something. And so yeah. that's the first step is like, who am I? Who are we as a family? And what makes us unique? And why is this, this little unit so important to us, you know? And what makes us who we are? It's kind of like your family brand in a way. Like people come into your home and they're like, there's a feeling here. And I know it, like something's different or something, you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. like when you go into a store and, or like, if you say Target, people are like, oh, I know what to expect every time we go into Target. Well, yep. if you are intentional about your family identity, it's like that. It's like a brand where people come mm. in and they're like, oh, I love how there's always the smell of fresh cookies in this house or, <laughs> or the furnishings uh -huh. are always so clean or, or everybody is always so happy and, and positive and kind or, you know, people see that when they come into your home and they recognize something is different here, but then they go home and like, whenever we go back, I know that this is what I expect to find it so-and-so's family or something. So I love that you said identity. to be intentional with it. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I think 
So going back to my story with Michael and I and how when we started out and we thought we have the same values, we have the same upbringing, you know, a lot of us, a lot of things about us were, were like same, you know? And so I thought, we just thought, okay, cool. Well, then what else do we have to worry about? We're same, same. Um, but we didn't intentionally try to, I didn't know how to create like a homey home. I didn't know how to create like, um, you know, whatever the feelings that I wanted to, to bring into our home, into our family. And, and so, because I hadn't really figured out like, oh, well, I'm just going to do what, what my family's always done. And so it's not like I needed to evaluate that or take inventory of, of what I wanted to do. Cause I just thought, well, we'll just do what's always been done. Right. And that is an example of like getting in this car for your road trip and putting it in neutral and going, okay, let's, we're good. Let's get there. Why are we getting (laughs) We're just going to coast down this hill because this is what we've always done. This is what Uh, we always know. But there are things that your parents and grandparents just imbue into you, into your attitudes, into your, your, your discussion, into your beliefs that you just don't even think about until you have your own family and you're going, why, why do we do it this way? (laughs) Or, you know, or you don't recognize that you have like a block or a narrative around like money or around like, um, you know, home cleanliness or, you know, things like that or around education until you go, wait a second, why do we do it this way? I, Mm -hmm. it's really causing a lot of contention and struggle in our home. Or I hate that the house is always so messy, but wait, why does that bother me so much? Oh, because mom always had an immaculate home. And if we had made any messes, she would blow up at us. So now it bothers me if my house isn't messy and it, it reflect and it makes me feel less valuable. You know, so those are things that we bring with us that you yes. don't recognize until you go, wait, I need to take inventory of why such and such things are not aligning with me and making me feel so uncomfortable. Like if I don't have dinner at the table every night at the certain time and it bothers me so much, like why, why does why? that bother yeah. me so much? You know? And so, but there are things that we bring into us that into our families, that's like getting into this vehicle for your road trip and either you put it in neutral or you put it on cruise control, or every time you come to an intersection, you just like, okay, let's flip a coin and see where we go next. And so to, you just, it, there's no intentionality there. It's just doing what's always been done. Yeah. So how do you feel that the culture impacts child development? What skills have you found to maybe help people out? Um, well, I think that having that intentionality, you know, if you, you start to cultivate, you know, your identity as a family, and then you start to cultivate like a mission and a vision for your family and like cultivating and discerning and deciding on what your family values are. You know, I compare those things to like knowing your destination on your road trip and knowing how to get there is your vision. You know, like you start to cultivate this vision. That's why we're on this trip in the first place, <laughs> you know, yeah. where we, where we're going and why and how, and then your values is a lot like your compass. You know, you're always going to be able to come back to those things. And when, when kids grow up in a, in a value centered home that has that vision and that mission cultivated, then it's like there's security there. There's confidence and there's mm-hmm. trust. 
trust is something that I compare to like fuel for that vehicle. If you don't have trust in your family, then it's like trying to drive without fuel. (laughs) You're not going to go very far. And so all of those things give your kids confidence and security when they know, oh, I know what to expect from my family. When we, you know, they know who we are, I know who they are. And there's this brand, this feeling of like, I know mom and dad are not going to freak out if I come and come clean about a lie or something like that, you know, because if there's values that you have in place that you are, you know, clear with your family, you start to cultivate this, this like trust and a consistency and the ability to, to know, okay, we're going to be okay because we're part of something bigger because we know our family history, we know who we are, we know our stories, we know our identity. We're part of something bigger, which first of all, gives kids resilience in the first place. And then to cultivate a mission and vision and those values, that gives kids the sense of not only do I know where I've come from, but I know where I'm going and that mm-hmm. it's gonna be okay. And so it's just resilience all around. And knowing that you're like their parents are partners in this whole process. We're partners with our children to grow towards this vision that we have as a family. That becomes something that if you know everybody is on board, everybody is buying into yeah. this thing, you know, instead of always trying to butt heads, but you're establishing the kinds of, of values and communication that is reinforcing those beliefs instead of being you know sporadic or inconsistent about the values or confused because you're going well that's how my mom always did it you know (laughs) or you know things like that you just it takes some really deep work to figure Mm -hmm. out like why things are troubling but I think that it's very crucial that we take that time to take that inventory and figure out why what our beliefs are about things and, and what are, you know, the narrative that we bring with us, because there are a lot of things that are broken or toxic, or, you know, there are things that we take with us from our upbringing that need to change. I think that we have to be able to take the time to go, this isn't working. And Mm -hmm we need to start over or we need to um, let's rework that little tradition that we have because it's not serving us, you know, like, like a friend of mine or people complain all the time, like, Oh my gosh, like when Pinterest became really popular and it was like Pinterest holiday ridiculousness, right? Like having to go over the top with holidays and birthdays and stuff and people feeling like, especially moms feeling really stressed out that I've, Oh my gosh, I need to have this Pinterest worthy life. And it was like, no, 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 let's stop. Stop right there. Question that. Like if it does not align with you and it does not align with your values and your vision for your life or who you are, stop, stop trying to compare Mm -hmm. yourself to stuff that's not going to serve you or, you know, stop trying to, to create a life that just is more stress and struggle than it is authentic. And or even, Yeah. Yeah, I found that even some people will put pictures out there to make it look great and pretty right. when reality it's, you know, let's hurry and go here and we'll take the pretty picture and it's yelling and screaming on the way. Yeah. I loved how you compared the brand 
to a family. I mean, people take so much time and they want to present their business or their person, you know, their professional life a certain way. And you wouldn't go up to your customers and start yelling and screaming at them. Like, why is it as a culture that we've allowed ourselves to value people who are only going to be in our lives for a short amount of time, more than the people that we love and are with every single day? Yeah. And that's yeah. a strong statement that if people can really treat their family like a brand and they really cared about those relationships and have the vision, there's just that toxicity that we won't allow into our homes anymore. And yeah. we need that right now. Our children need that. There's enough at school and enough with their peers that they don't need it at home also. They really do need that stability and that base to come home to and feel protected and Absolutely. recuperate and recharge. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And to know like when I get home from school or whatever, that this is a safe haven. This is a place where I know that mom and dad care and they love me and they trust me. Even if I say, oh my gosh, I did this awful thing. And they're going to be like, well, let's talk it through. Not just, ah, and like scream at each other, you know? Yes. <laughs> and I mean, it's, because I advocate for a family culture that's intentional, but also based around trust and leadership and, and love, and also the capacity to be resilient. You know, it's so many of us, we have these um, like coping skills that are reactive. And, and so like when our kids come to us and like, oh, I have this whole upset, our reaction is to be upset too. Or if, you know, we, we come up against, I call this on our road trip, the detours and the roadblocks and, you know, those kinds of things that happen inevitably in our lives that we react to. And we're just like, that's it. I'm turning this car around, you know, or something like that. <laughs> you know, whatever it is that, that it's like, we, we cope with it by being reactive and being, or like shutting down or, or self-medicating or distracting or escaping. And those things are not going to to help us move forward in our families, I advocate for a family culture that is constructive and, and, and cultivates and, and nourishes and nurtures this environment of trust rather than manipulation. Because a lot of times our reactive rea responses are around manipulation and fear. And so it's really important to, to cultivate the, that trust and the patience. And I mean, we were talking about innovation that it requires that trust. Well, you have to be like, well, I don't understand why this is happening, but maybe it's something we need to go through and embrace and just try to digest it in a healthy way and talk through it and learn from it instead of just going, no, I can't deal with this. I don't want anything to change or I don't want anything to be a struggle or be difficult. It's like innovation requires that trust because it's going to require that trial and error. And so it's almost like as families, we are innovating just by going through the process of going, boy, my toddler seems to be having a lot of tantrums lately. And instead of going, you know what, I'm just going to put them in timeout and shut them out and ignore this or discipline them. It's going, hmm, maybe there's an issue or maybe they have a need that I need to console them or I need to just connect with them or examine my own triggers about why their tantrum is bothering me so much, <laughs> you know, and, and things like that. Like we need to be able to, I believe in, in advocating for that trust and the, the constructive ways that we can cope with, with the, the struggles that we go through as families. It doesn't always need to be a huge upset. 
It just needs to be something that we approach with connection and love and um, problem solving. So. I love that. And I think, especially with toddlers, <laughs> they are right? such a mirror for how we are presenting ourselves to them. Like if you approach them with joy and excitement, toddlers are some of the funnest little guys and gals that you will ever come across. And if they aren't getting those needs met, then they really, you know, they are just kind of in breakdown because they don't have another way to get their needs met. (laughs) Exactly. That's the way that they're communicating. And, and if we communicate back to them, oh, this isn't okay, then we're not communicating love and trust. Exactly. um, Yeah opportunity to connect. (laughs) Okay. Well, I know we've talked about a bunch of these already, but can you quickly go over what you see are the six components of a successful family that you put out for people? Okay. So, um, number one is the, is the family identity pillars, like I mentioned, which is basically, you know, knowing where you come from and who you are and your traditions and norms and communication styles, you know, those, that family identity pillar, like you've got to know yourself. And, yes. and then it's the um, navigation strategies is what I, ta- what I call them. And it's your mission, your vision, your values, and your policies. Some people call them rules, but I call them policies because I think that in the context of like mm, family government or family economy, like if you have your family values in place, then they're going to inform your policies, you know, like they need to align and be consistent. You know, if your family is health conscious and that's one of your core values, then you may have a policy like we get up and exercise today or eat as much as we can or whatever, you know, there's a policy around that thing, you know, and it's not necessarily a rule. So it's not something you're going to punish or or discipline if your kids don't do the thing. Um, but like if health and safety, then it's like, okay, we have a policy that we always wear helmets when we go out and ride bikes and skateboards and stuff. Like you always want to be consistent about it. So anyways, um, so family identity pillars, navigation strategies, and then there's the maintenance strategies of, of your family. So like this vehicle that we're in, it needs an oil change. It needs tire rotation. It needs, you know, <laughs> those kinds of things. And so like your family meetings, are going to be a very important component of having a family culture because you need to come together to talk about this stuff. Your family meetings, so that's like your communication system to be able to keep checking in and making sure that you're upholding your mission, vision, and values. And then leadership, coping style, and trust. So that that's actually more than six, but <laughs> they're, they're in those three main categories of your identity pillars, the navigation strategies, and the maintenance strategies for your family. And so those are the things that I believe are the components of a thriving family culture to avoid problems and contentions and things before they even arise. Like if you have these things and you're able to take that inventory of who you are and what you want from your family and the vision that you have, then you can avoid a lot of the trauma and stress and drama that families experience because you're going, okay, if there's a drama, okay, this is just part of our this is how, how do we cope with this? All right. How, what is, what does our vision and our, and our values inform us about how we respond to this? You know, mm-hmm. if you have, if you've laid that groundwork of, of what you want to be as a family, then it's really going to help you avoid a lot of problems. 
I love that. I need to put some more thought into my intentionality with how I do my family. And I really appreciate a lot of the things that you shared with us today. That it was so valuable. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, I Tony. appreciate it. Thanks for. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Please subscribe to the show and leave us a review down below. We look forward to having you join us next week.